Welcome to Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your military marriage and home. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm so excited to share in this journey with you. Close your eyes for a minute if you want to see the world. Hi, my name is Lisa, and my husband is a wounded warrior Marine. I commit to understanding my husband's injuries are not his fault, and I promise to take them into consideration when drafting his expectations. I promise to intentionally love the new him and everything that comes along with our new normal. Reading Sacred Spaces, I have found such an understanding of my husband's trials through combat and everything that he must have lived through and seen in other countries. Though I'll never know everything that has happened to him, it definitely gave me a new perspective on the challenges that we are dealing with at home and how the things that he's been through as well as the things that I have been through are not each other's fault. Welcome to another episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. Today's episode is the first of several in what I'm calling the Sacred Spaces series. My book, Sacred Spaces, My Journey to the Heart of Military Marriage, comes out August 1st and will be sold in many of the local bookstores that you're around, as well as Amazon and MilitaryFamilyBooks.com. And in celebration of that, I really wanted to have a series that not only touched on some of the themes that are found throughout the book, but also some really key interviews with people that are in the book from my story. So really quick, the Sacred Spaces book is really a lot about how my military marriage went through the ups and downs that I think many military marriages go through, including me changing and my husband changing throughout two deployments and throughout integrations. And in the book, I tell a very raw perspective, a vulnerable perspective of what it was like for me to go through those changes and watch my my husband come home a little bit different. And that's one of the topics that comes up a lot for military spouses. And when I asked people, hey, what would you like for me to cover in the podcast? This was one of the questions I got. What do you do when your service member comes home different? And there's different versions of different, right? There is mild changes that we go through individually and together. And there's also some major changes that some of you are struggling with. So today's episode, the first of the Sacred Spaces series, is all about what do you do when your service member comes home different? Whether that means you're a caregiver of uh, the physical wounds that have happened to your service member or whether your service member comes home with the emotional wounds of war or combat or stress and your life has changed and it's a little bit different. And so being true to what I think that a lot of our spouses are struggling through today, I really want to focus on some of the emotional changes that happen in deployment. I think that it would be right, especially to our caregivers out there that are supporting their spouses who have physical limitations or injuries. Um, I think it would be best for them that um, I'm really going to interview, I think, someone who has um, been a caregiver lately and can really speak to how to grow and keep your marriage strong through that. I think that that would be um, the right thing to do, and I think you would get a lot much better encouraging feedback from hearing somebody who's been through that situation and is finding ways to move forward. So I think today I really wanted to focus on What I think a lot or a majority of our spouses go through, even those that do have some um, some of the physical wounds of war coming home. But what do we do when our service member comes back emotionally different or changed? 
and there are a lot more of us out there than I think we'd like to admit. In fact, as I travel around and speak on this topic, um, I'm surprised. Well, actually, I'm not surprised. I am. Um, I think more spouses are surprised to come up to me afterwards, and the number of spouses that are coming up and saying, "This is this is something that I struggle with," or maybe even I didn't even realize that my life has changed and that I haven't maybe necessarily dealt with that. So it's been interesting to have the number of spouses come forward. And I think when I say I've been surprised, I think it's been more so that I've been surprised by the amount of spouses who had not come forward until it became a topic and until it was starting to be talked about. And so it's really shown me just how big of a topic this is, um, how much everyone is wanting it covered and how many spouses are kind of feeling alone or isolated and not knowing how to talk about this new change that's happened in their life that they weren't expecting and not sure how to talk about it or who to talk about it with. Um, especially when it's kind of a private struggle, I think between some couples for some of you, you have service members who really don't want the world to know that they're struggling. They don't want friends to know they're struggling. They definitely don't want their command to know that they're struggling. And that can really put a spouse in a difficult spot where she needs the support. I'm saying she, and there's a lot of male spouses out there that are dealing with this too. But um, where she needs support and needs to be able to talk about it, but doesn't feel like she can without jeopardizing her service member's job or um, or maybe taking away his right to, to share his story when he's ready. And so what we end up having is a lot of military spouses who are struggling in the dark and struggling by themselves on these new changes that have happened in their life and not really knowing how to handle it. And then all of a sudden you have dinner parties where we're getting together and saying everything is fine. And maybe for the most part, most of the time, things are fine. But really down deep inside, they're not fine. And there's a lot of internal feelings in that military spouse for the changes that have happened and not really sure what to do with those. So today I want us to talk about that. Um, it's, it's something you guys are asking for. And... Um, you've heard me share a little bit of my story and the book that's coming out called Sacred Spaces is going to be a little bit more, actually a lot more of my story. And so I'm not going to so much go into like lots of details about my story, but enough that I want you to understand that this was something that I had to process myself. Um, there are varying levels of changes that happened within a military couple and within service members, depending on what their job is, what they're responsible for, and the things that they might experience during their career. And I think we need to start off by being very careful to not compare our stories to one another and to realize that everyone has differing levels of suffering that they've been through or differing levels of changes that they've been through and that I think the biggest thing that we need to start off with is respecting that everyone's experience is their own and whatever their level of discomfort or pain or suffering that that's legit for them and so you may have gone through something very severe and significant um, where you have a service member that's come home and has maybe also had physical wounds and injuries and 
that make the emotional changes even more severe. Um, but to the military spouse who has maybe some mild changes that have happened, that still has disrupted her marriage. And that, yes, we could take a look and clinically say that one is more severe than the other, but that we as spouses need to be able to understand that a change is a change and that can be difficult and challenging to overcome in your own life when that's your own experience and it's the only experience that you've had. So all that to say, I know that what's happened in my own marriage is not as severe as some of the other marriages and families out there, but by me sharing my story, I hope more than anything, it challenges you and encourages some of you to begin to share your stories as well. And we're going to cover that as far as how do you share your story and and talking to your spouse about sharing your story and the power that comes from the freedom to be able to do that. So that being said, I wanted to kind of dive in and um, you've heard me use the word sacred spaces before. Hopefully you've heard me use that. So I'm going to be using that phrase sacred spaces a lot throughout this podcast. And so for those of you who haven't heard me use sacred spaces before, it's terminology that I use for a significant moment that's happened in any person's life, spouse, service member, civilian, anyone when they've been through something significant and life-changing. Now, all of us can look back in our lives and think of both positive and negative moments that were life-changing for us. For some of you, your wedding day was a significant, life-changing, positive experience. Perhaps uh, giving birth to your first child was significant and life-changing. There are some memories that we have that are so positive that it was a marking change that happened in our life. It is therefore sacred or set apart or different from our normal experience. Um, I have a good friend who had a very traumatic experience giving birth to her child where she almost died. And for her, if she were to be sitting across from me and telling me this story, um, she probably would have a lot of her senses in her body kind of light up in her brain. And she would in some ways be kind of reliving that experience because it was such a significant moment for her and such a life-changing moment for her. Um, it, it was a different other than the normal experience. And it will always be something that she will look back on and feel as a memory. So these sacred moments in our life, these sacred spaces can be either positive or negative. And I call them sacred and other and set apart because, um, and I refer to our senses because there is a specific part in your brain, including the amygdala, that um, engages your five senses when something is happening and it collects information from, the, from your five senses and it collects it all and it maps it out into a memory and that's how your memories are stored, which is why when you recall a positive or negative experience in your life that was that significant, sometimes you can find yourself smelling the smells that happened in that moment or hearing the sounds or you can feel it in your body and that's because that area of your brain is lighting up when you're thinking about it and it gives you that feeling of a flashback or um, like re-experiencing the past again. And so some of those moments in our life are so significant to us and so meaningful and special to us 
that nobody can fully understand what it was like to go through that experience, regardless of how much we try to explain it or give the details. If they, if that person didn't live through it themselves and feel it in their body themselves, then it just seems like they can't quite understand it. And so when my husband came back from his first deployment and we were trying to talk through these significant moments that we had separately gone through, we really found ourselves kind of banging our head against a wall because we, no matter how hard we tried to explain it and talk about it, the other person just couldn't grasp it the way that the other person really wanted them to. And so eventually we decided to call them sacred spaces and that would help us respect each other's memories, respect each other's moments when they would begin to talk about it. And instead of me trying to necessarily crawl inside my husband's head and try to live it as he lived it, I I had to kind of find myself making a way to respect it instead. And so using the word sacred spaces has really helped my marriage be able to point out um, when we're talking about something significant in our life and it cues the other person accuse our spouse to recognize, hey, this is a sacred space for me. You may not fully understand it. Um, I may not be able to go into it as far as the details that you may want me to. And even if I did, you probably still wouldn't even understand it. And so by just simply saying the phrase sacred spaces, it will cue me or cue him to just listen and respect it and um, leave room for that explanation or that moment to happen so that I can be mindful and pay attention and go, okay, this is something really important that he wants me to listen to and hear. And likewise for him to be able to do that for me. So as I have been sharing with other spouses, a lot of people are coming back to me and saying sacred spaces is a perfect terminology for them to be able to describe these significant moments in their life. Many of them for spouses being during the, during the deployment for them moments that they got through that were exceptionally difficult that they didn't think they were going to be able to get through but they did and it's so significant to them it's a sacred space to them um, I've known a lot of spouses who've also gone through very traumatic moments during a deployment and they had to get through that by themselves and using the word sacred space has helped them communicate better in their marriage and cue the other person to listen and res- be respectful about that memory try not to change it or change challenge it and instead just cue them to respect it. So I'm going to be using that phrase a lot during the podcast, Um, not just today's podcast, but future podcasts on explaining and being able to help navigate and help us all communicate through these sacred spaces that both people in the in the relationship have been through. So for today's talk, since we're talking about um, how deployment can sometimes change our service members, um, we're going to be talking about these sacred spaces for service members who have experienced perhaps something traumatic or difficult during their deployment. Um, It could also be moments that were positive, moments where it maybe it was going to be difficult or negative, but because of the incredible support and camaraderie that they had, it actually turned into a very positive sacred space for them or a sacred memory for them that they will always hold dear to them. And, you know, perhaps somebody was there for them or somebody um, helped them in a moment that they needed it or was there to talk with them in one of their worst times. 
And so they hold that as a very positive memory that they often want to reflect on and go back to. And it's what bonded them in that relationship. So um, these are all sacred spaces that our service members may come home with. So like I said, I'm finding that a lot of military spouses, when I share my story, especially of how going on this trip to the Middle East changed me and brought up a lot of feelings for me, um, I'm having a lot of military spouses that come up to me with tears in their eyes and admit that they didn't even realize that they had a, a lot of unresolved feelings about um, their service member coming home different and that they haven't really processed that. Many of them have said, you know, my service member came home different and I just had to accept that for what it was. There was nothing I could do about it. And so I just kind of had to roll with it. Um, the problem I have found with that is that many military spouses aren't dealing with the change that happened so unexpectedly for them and the fact that there are feelings that they have about that, but they just didn't know who to talk to. Some of you are going to your military spouse friends and talking about it. Maybe you're going to family members and talking about it. Maybe some of you have gone to counselors and talked about it. But there's a lot of military spouses who've just kind of um, repressed it and just said, you know what, this is my new life. This is the new normal. And I, I can't be mad at my service member because they didn't necessarily want this change to happen. And so they don't really know where to put those feelings. And especially during reintegration, it doesn't feel like it's quite time for the military spouse to handle and process her own feelings. And so she pushes them down even further. And then what we find is a lot of military spouses never process what it is that they've been through or their feelings about about it and we just kind of forget about it and just accept this is our new life and whenever that kind of resurfaces maybe some resentment or some anger or sadness comes up of what we once had there really isn't a good time to, to deal with it and and it's hard to talk to our service member about it so we push it down even further and again it never gets addressed and so as I've shared my own story and some of the things that I've had to process myself, that's kind of the reaction that I'm getting from military spouses is, you know, these tears welling up in their eyes and, and them saying, I didn't even realize that I had feelings about this, but I think that I do. And I don't really know what to do about that. So when deployment changes our life, when deployment changes our marriage, I think it's really important for us as military spouses to really process and address what it is that we've been through and figure out what we feel about it. When there are new changes that happen in your marriage and, you know, there might be small minor changes like not being able to go to a restaurant and sit with your back facing the door anymore or walking through the mall that's crowded. I mean, there's small minor inconvenient changes, but there's still changes nonetheless. And that can be inconvenient at times for when you're trying to plan a family outing. So sometimes some of the smallest changes can bring up feelings of, you know, why not? Why can't we do the things that we used to do before? Although you've heard me say we don't want to be in a place where we are necessarily venting and whining about it and not moving forward. Um, we want to be able to say it, process it when we feel it, but then take those necessary steps to get better and make progress. 
So it is important for us to talk about what it is that we've been through and what it is that we feel about it. So I would categorize three different levels of changes that your marriage could have gone through. So we're going to call them mild, moderate, and severe. So some of you may have had some very mild changes that have happened in your marriage since one, two, three, six deployments have happened in your life, especially if you have your service member going to a place that's relatively safe and for some of them incredibly boring, um, where the changes that they come back with aren't necessarily changes that look like emotional struggles with PTSD or combat stress related struggles, but Perhaps it's just been the fact that they were deployed and working full-time constantly during that deployment, and so they handle the daily life a little bit different. My husband and I laugh sometimes because when he came back from the deployment, he uses still endless amounts of hand sanitizer because where he was in Afghanistan, there really wasn't great ways to wash your hands. And so if you didn't want to be sick, they regularly just pass around the hand sanitizer. And so going to Disney World is a little bit challenging for us as a family because my husband would now like to wear gloves going to Disney World. But when you've lived for an entire year in Afghanistan trying your best to not get sick and only using hand sanitizer to keep yourself from getting sick, it's a very mild change that can happen in somebody. And I've had a lot of military spouses that say yes the constant hand washing and hand sanitizer um, you don't expect your spouse to come home and that be something for them to do differently other mild changes might be just you know because they've lived constantly 365 days if they went on a year-long deployment or however long that they went when they're working constantly and around other service members constantly the way that they talk and address um, things that need to get done that can change too and so sometimes service members can come home and um, what my husband and I call command handing you know, the family or the children, where um, it's really easy for service members to come home and be so much in a mindset of the way that service members get things done during deployment that it can be hard to adjust coming home and children don't snap to and don't lock up, you know, and, and do exactly what they're told immediately. And that can be an adjustment. So there are a lot of these mild changes that can happen even if a service member did not experience anything traumatic, they can still come home a little bit different. More moderate change that I would describe some of our families are going through is perhaps if your service member did witness or even from a distance experience something traumatic um, or difficult during their deployment. And um, this couldn't be whether or not they were actually in combat, it could be something like they were shot at or they witnessed someone else being um, hurt or injured. It can look very different for different people, but um, I'm thinking more about how they come home and how that affects them on a daily basis. So a change might look like occasional flashbacks or perhaps when they share the story of their sacred space that was meaningful to them or traumatic for them, um, that they still kind of have maybe what would look like a PTSD reaction where it looks like they kind of zone out for a little bit when they share the story or um, they go to another place when they think about it or 
perhaps they get sad on on that day every year. Um, Those are kind of moderate changes that a family can go through. But when combined with some of the the more mild changes, it can feel very significant to a family when they come home and it's a new normal for them. Sometimes they might be able to be diagnosed with PTSD. If not, they might be coming home with maybe something more like combat stress where they feel very fatigued, maybe struggle with a little bit of depression. Um, But it's a moderate change that the family feels like they can navigate, even though um, it's very stressful at times. For the most part, they're finding ways to navigate through it. Of course, we have a lot of families who come home or service members that come home with PTSD or have these major traumatic moments that have happened in their life. And it's more of a severe change for the family to go through. And so this is especially the area that I would say some of our military families with service members who come home with physical wounds, um, injuries, um, who come home with a lot of those consequences of war and struggle with varying levels um, of those consequences of war, both emotionally and physically and spiritually. And, And it's a real challenge for not just the service member, but for everyone in the home to adapt to this new change and new normal. So the, the DSM five came out with some new criteria for how to diagnose PTSD. There's been a lot of talk about changing it from post-traumatic stress disorder to post-traumatic stress and taking out the disorder part. Um, You know, I was trained up forever using the disorder part, and um, I'm very sensitive to those who want to say that it's not a disorder and they don't want to be classified with a disorder, but that it's so common, it's more like a a syndrome, if you will. You'll just have to bear with me that I've said PTSD for so long that sometimes it just kind of slips out and it feels very foreign to me right now to take out that D, but just because it's a habit. But a lot of people struggle with those changes that their service member went through and the the changes that it causes their family to go through. And, you know, even though we all know going into this lifestyle that something could happen that could change the way our family functions, it doesn't make it any easier when it does happen. It doesn't make it easier for us to accept that it is our life that changed. You know, we, we can see another family go through that change and go... Wow, I'm I'm either so glad that that's not us or I, I'm thankful that, you know, it wasn't us and seeing them go through that is so difficult. But when it's your own family, you feel the shock of I wasn't prepared for this and I'm not sure any of us can prepare for it. And it looks different for every family. And so. There are only I mean, there's a lot of things that we can relate to each other and say, I know how that feels, but our service members are all different in the way that they handle stress. And so are we. And so it can be very difficult to navigate. What do I do with this new normal? You know, we signed up for the military, but I didn't realize I was necessarily signing up for this change in my marriage. And I have a lot of feelings about that and don't know what to do about it. So I think what's important is that regardless of whether or not your family changed in a mild way, a moderate way, or a severe way, all of them matter. Like I said before, we're not going to compare which one's worse. They all matter. All of those changes feel like a huge change to you. And I don't want some of you to minimize the change that you've been through because it wasn't as bad as someone else's experience. And, and, And the other way too. So All of those changes matter, especially if you have feelings about them. That matters, and it's important for you to process it. 
Hi, everyone. I'm on a mission to see our military and first responder couples take back lost territory in their marriages. War, trauma, separations, and even simple misunderstandings can take a toll on a relationship, leaving you feeling disconnected and discouraged. I believe that healthy marriages that experience joy require hard work and intentionality. So that's what my mission is for the next year. The Sacred Spaces campaign is simply inviting you to be intentional in your marriage. It's that simple. Here are three steps to joining the campaign. Number one, consider buying the book Sacred Spaces. You don't have to, but it is impacting marriages in ways I never dreamed. It is my story of how being intentional changed my heart towards my spouse. Number two, sign up for the Sacred Spaces campaign. You can do this by going to my website, www.coryweathers.com, under the Sacred Spaces page. You will get a free Sacred Spaces Intentional Marriage Challenge commitment card that will help you decide how to be intentional, as well as help you nail down how long you want to take the challenge. Number three, help me spread the word. One of the reasons Sacred Spaces is so successful is that people are telling their stories. One by one, marriages are changing because at least one person in the relationship is taking a step forward towards loving their spouse better than the day before. Will you join me? Join the Sacred Spaces campaign today. Um, I think the most important thing for us to talk about as we get into what do we do when deployment has changed our marriage and changed our family, um, the most important thing that you can do is to ask yourself, um, how do I take care of me? Because especially if it's calling upon you to take care of your service member and be attentive to his or her needs, it's really important for you to know what to do for yourself. Because if you're an empty vessel who's been poured out all day long taking care of work and the children and dinner and the house and now the service member too, if you're already depleted, then you're going to have nothing to give. And when you try to give when you have nothing left, what usually results is more resentment, more anger, and definitely not being able to do what's being asked of you and have that come forth in kindness and love. So we really have to talk about what are you going to do to take care of yourself? So I really want to ask you, what comes up in you when you think about this new normal and this change that happened in your life? When you think about what it is that you had before the deployment and what you thought you're going to have after the deployment and then to have reintegration come forward and realize it's not going to happen and that things are not going to be the same as they used to be. I really want you to ask yourself, how do you really feel about that? How did you feel? How do you feel now about it? Has it been something that you have navigated through and said, you know what, we're doing pretty well and I feel okay and this was something I was expecting and um, perhaps some of you are doing great. Um, but some of you may not be. Some of you are hiding back the tears of frustration of this is not what I wanted and I have anger but I don't really know where to put it. And I'll tell you one of the biggest things that I learned about myself because I would put myself in the group that said, you know what, the changes that have happened in my family were maybe a little bit expected, a few things I wasn't expecting, but for the most part, my husband and I have done pretty good, and he's done pretty good with the things that he experienced and some of the um, occasional flashbacks that he has and some of the feelings that he has um, because of the experiences he went through. And so I would put myself in the group that says, you know what, we're navigating this pretty well. Um We've done a good job taking care of ourselves and our bodies and trying to look for holistic ways to do better. And 
and and so I think I'm okay. But I think what I realized on this trip was the more I thought about the deployment and the reintegration and the things that I was feeling and the things that changed for us, the more I found myself wrestling with some anger and resentment that I didn't fully want to admit was there. Um, I don't know if it's maybe because if I admitted that I was upset about it, then maybe I felt like it would make me weaker or that I should know better, that I should have been able to process it better, that I'm a clinician that works with military families. I should know what to do with all of that. But when it's really your own life, it's really much harder to sort through it all by yourself. And so as I went on this trip and as I was given the opportunity to step foot on the soil of Afghanistan, which is the place for us where things changed for him, where he experienced so much over there. I found myself really having a lot of a, fe- a lot of feelings that were coming up. I was angry. I was angry at what deployment had taken, not only from my husband as far as his innocence, but I was also angry at what Afghanistan had taken from so many of the families that I worked with that are now Gold Star families. I was just so emotional and so upset about all of it, about all of the changes. It just seemed like this one place impacted so many people and then continues to impact so many people, including my own life. And when I really kind of sat in that and thought about it, I realized I'm angry about it and resentful about it because I didn't know who to be angry at. And so it was a couple things. Who do I direct this anger at? And how do I mourn what I had before deployment? Because for a lot of us, for a lot of you out there, you had something before deployment in your marriage. And when your service member came back, especially if he came back with something that he struggles with in a severe way, that kind of relationship that you had beforehand died. And it's like grieving a death. You may not get that kind of relationship back again. I don't want to sound like there isn't hope because we're going to go in a direction of hope. But I think we first have to admit to ourselves that what we had before is gone. And if we don't give ourselves the chance to grieve that, kind of like grieving the loss of someone important to us, if we don't grieve the loss of what we had before, there's always going to be this undercurrent of resentment and sadness of wanting to have what we had before and the constant reminder that it's not there. And so processing it similar to grieving through a loss helps us be able to come to terms with saying goodbye to what we had before so that we can embrace what we have now. And if you haven't taken that step, that is a very necessary, crucial step for you to take. I want to ask you to really look deep inside of yourself and ask yourself, have I grieved the loss of the relationship that I had before? Have I cried about it? Have I talked about it? Have I come to terms within myself about how I feel about losing that? I know for me, the second part of it was what to do with the resentment that I had. I really struggled with where do I place my resentment and my anger. Uh, My husband says ever since that first reintegration that he came home to an angry wife. And I challenged him on that for the longest time. I was like, I was just confident and independent. I had just come out of a deployment and done everything myself. Maybe I wasn't angry. Maybe you just 
perceived it as anger and really I was just being confident. But recently, especially with this trip when I had time to think about it, I believe I was angry. I just didn't know how to tell him that. When he came home struggling with the things that he was struggling with, I was angry about it. I was angry that he was having to struggle with something. I didn't want to see him struggle. I was angry at I didn't know what, but everything had changed and I needed to be angry at something. And what ended up happening is the anger leaked out. And because I was repressing it down and saying, it's not time for me to think about me or take care of me, which was a mistake, um, I repressed it. But it's, the anger still leaked out, and it leaked out towards him. And it wasn't so much that I was frustrated with having to help him through it. I was glad to help him through whatever it is that he needed. But I was still angry at something or someone for introducing this to our lives and wishing that it had never happened. So during the trip, I, as I was flying over the mountains of Afghanistan, I thought to myself, who was I actually angry at? I wasn't angry at God because I don't think that God, although I believed God allowed it to happen, um, I wasn't feeling like God had inflicted this pain on us as a family. Um, and I knew that God, my, the God that I believe in is not a God of evil. He's, he's a good God and that he wasn't behind the evil of war. So I couldn't be angry at God. I couldn't be angry at my husband because he didn't necessarily ask for this or put himself in a situation to have to go through this and, and bring this into his world and into his and into our world. So I couldn't direct it at him. I guess I could direct it at the Taliban, but I was never going to meet them, thankfully. <laughs> but I didn't know what, even if I was going to direct it at them, I didn't know how. How do you direct that anger and resentment at at Afghanistan or the Taliban or whoever so there was no place to put it and I just kind of had to repress it and just accept it that this is what it was so as I flew over the mountains of Afghanistan I I realized that for me I was angry at war I was angry at sin in the world that causes war um, the selfishness of people that people aren't necessarily bad, but the choices that they, that they make are sometimes bad. Um, and I was angry at that and that that was the root of the war that affected my husband and affected my marriage. I also realized that once I knew where to place that resentment, that the only answer for me at least was to find a way to release it. First, I had to mourn what I had lost very important step. But then I also had to find a way to release it, that it wasn't doing me any good to hold it inside and that there may not be the perfect place for me to leave it, but that I needed to somehow release the resentment and embrace this new life that we had. And that is a really significant shift to have happen in your mind and in your heart. And the only way that I can describe it to you, if you're wondering how to do that yourself, I was starting to release these feelings that I had held for a very long time, which made me feel much freer to love, much freer to be thankful and grateful for my life, that I didn't want to hold on to that anger anymore. I knew that I'd always be tempted to entertain it again, so it's not like it disappears forever, but that I realized it wasn't doing anything good in my life and in my heart. I want to encourage you that wherever your, quote, place is, whether it's Iraq or Afghanistan, where your service member changed and therefore came home different, that you don't have to fly to the other side of the world to release whatever it is that's inside of you 
in a similar way. Really, when I closed my eyes and I imagined these mountains of Afghanistan and I, I gave it back, you know, I gave back what they took. Or in another way, I, I, I could say that I also left something there. And any of us can do that in a very imagery kind of way. If we just close our eyes and imagine what it is that we're upset at. Uh, because I also wasn't upset at the military. You know, we signed up to do this job. So I couldn't necessarily blame them either. I think being able to close your eyes and picture where that resentment and anger belongs, that we don't want it to be on our service member. We may have other feelings about whether or not they're willing to go get help, which we're going to address in a minute, but that our resentment actually goes in a different place. And so I had to release it and then I had to forgive it. And the best way I can say that is to say I had to embrace that with difficulty comes the opportunity to have a stronger, more connective, intimate relationship with my husband. That if everything was perfect and all, both of us were entirely happy, then we would never be challenged to learn how to love in a new way and in a better way. So in that moment, I was able to embrace this new challenge that we have, that this is our life, that this is the difficulty that has been introduced to it, and that that doesn't have to be a bad thing. That it can challenge me, even though it's painful to grow and learn how to love in a better way, in a more selfless way. It hurts sometimes to go through that growth spurt, but that I'm better for it or that I can be better for it. And so can my spouse. And so it gave me the ability to embrace all of that and accept this, this discomfort and this difficulty in our life kind of as a welcomed guest and say, you know what, I'm going to take back this lost territory that I didn't even know existed in my relationship and say, you know what, it's part of our life and I'm going to do what I can to make it even better. You know, walk through that yourself. Take care of yourself first. Get the help that you need if you need it. Journal about it. You can journal on your computers and, and assign a password to that document if you're worried that someone else is going to read it. There's lots of ways that you can journal and start to process some of these. Um, share your story. Talk to your service member and ask if you can share just maybe even your part of your story with a trusted friend. Um, have coffee and talk about the challenges Again, we want to talk about it in a very real way, um, but we definitely don't want to be one of those friends that's always stuck in the negative. We want to show that we're also moving forward when we have opportunities to vent it. If your spouse isn't ready for you to talk about it yet, then um, I want to encourage you to talk to your spouse about finding more opportunities for the two of you to talk together, that that can be the first step towards figuring out how to share your story. And being able to explain that this is also your story too, and that you need to find ways to be able to talk about it in a healthy way, in ways that he would feel okay with you talking about it. And that may take you guys as a couple talking about what it is that you want to share so that he feels comfortable about what you're sharing and who you're sharing it with. Um, number one, take care of yourself. Number two, this is what these are the things that you can do um, to move forward on what to do if your marriage has been through these changes. So number two, talk more as a couple. Be willing to start these conversations if you're not having them already about the changes that he went through. I know some of you are already saying, well, what do you do if he doesn't want to talk? And so I'm going to get to that. But 
For those of you who are talking some, I want to encourage you to talk more. But these need to be planned times that you set aside specifically for talking about it. I would encourage you to do it, obviously, when the children aren't running around um, around you. Maybe you plan a date that you spend some time out. But I do want to encourage you, especially if it's a traumatic event that he has gone through, that you try not to do it in the evening close to bedtime, especially if it could trigger nightmares for him or a sleepless night. Um, but you talk together about when would be a good time to talk about it more and letting him share his story um, with you asking minimal questions unless you've asked his permission and he says he's comfortable with asking you asking those questions. So sometimes a service member needs to be able to tell the story all the way through without any interruptions. Um, sometimes they're going to have a flashback in the middle of it and go straight back to that experience and being disrupted with lots of questions can be very frustrating for them. So you really want to ask your spouse, you know, I would like to be a person in your life that you can share this story with and maybe even process it with maybe not like a therapist because we don't need to be our spouse's therapist. But I want to understand you. I want to understand how to love you better. I want to understand how to serve you better when some of these memories are coming up. And I don't know if I can do that if you're not sharing with me what's going on. So could we maybe set apart some time? For us to sit down and you tell me the story and I will listen and ask them, what would that look like? You know, can I ask questions? Can I hold your hand so that you're kind of in the present and not fearing getting stuck in the past because this causes a lot of anxiety for them as they share the story? So just ask them, if we are going to talk about it, how can I best be a safe presence for you when you're sharing the story? Do your best when your spouse is sharing their story to understand the story. Um, another huge theme for me after this trip was realizing just how little I understood and how little I paid attention to. For some reason, when my husband was sharing facts that were important to him, but that just sounded like basic facts about where he was or um, where he was on the map of Afghanistan or names of places, for some reason I was looking for other things that he was going to share and I wasn't paying attention to very important facts and so I can't stress enough to you that when your spouse is telling the story pay attention to these important facts because it can be very frustrating to a service member for us to say we're listening only to ask them a million times what was that place again and why who was that person and why were they important and eventually they're going to feel like you're just not listening at all and why should they even share their story again so Believe me, I have done that, and I regret that personally, and um, I have very much learned my lesson um, on realizing how little I actually knew and understood and paid attention to. So if they are going to share their story, make sure that you're paying attention. Um, even take notes if you have to so that you can not ask those same questions again later. So what do you do if your service member does not want to talk? Here is, um, this is a really big question that a lot of spouses have. It's, you know, hey, my service member did come home different. Everything is different for us and our family, but he just never wants to talk about what happened. He doesn't want to get help, and I feel helpless, and I feel like there's nothing I can do. So I understand this is a huge challenge. And so what I want to encourage you to do as a spouse is obviously you're already feeling the helplessness of realizing that you have no control over forcing your spouse to do what you feel is best and healthy for them. What I often tell couples to do is to turn on the light switch. So this is what that means. 
You as a couple are already feeling the tension and the stress between you because your service member isn't telling the stories, isn't talking about it, or isn't getting the help. And that causes tension inside of you and maybe between the two of you. We already know that it's there. We already feel that the tension is there. It's kind of like the elephant in the room or more the elephant in the house, especially if your service member is having difficulty around the family and with daily functioning and is irritable or aggressive or disrupts the home when he's having a flashback or having a hard time. Um, Everybody feels it already. It's like the big elephant in the room. And so what I'm suggesting to you is for you to definitely communicate in kindness and love very important, but to speak the truth. And what we're doing is we're just turning the lights on. We're pointing out the white elephant that's in the room. We're just pointing it out in a very kind and loving way. So I encourage spouses to say something like this, honey, I know that you've been struggling for a long time. I know that the deployment really impacted you, your feelings of yourself, your feelings about God, your feelings about life and death feelings that you have about your friends. I, I can only assume just how difficult that was for you. One of the things that I'm concerned about is that when you refuse to talk to me or talk to someone else in order to help you move forward, it's making us have a lot of tension between us. I feel distant from you. I feel detached and I feel like we're not connecting. I love you and I want to have a wonderful intimate connection with you. But I don't know how to do that if you're not going to talk to me. I'm trying to do everything that I can to be supportive and to love you in the way that you feel best loved. But you not getting help and you not talking to me is beginning to cause consequences between us and our marriage. And I'm asking you to move forward and bring us closer together by taking care of yourself. So that was a little bit of a long-winded example, but it's basically turning the lights on and saying, hey, there's distance and tension in between us. And what you are doing by not getting help and not talking to me is destroying our relationship. Now, that way that I just said it now is not necessarily speaking truth and love and kindness. So and often if we're saying it that way, it's going to cause a lot of conflict. So I'm giving you a different way to say it. We're turning the lights on with love and with kindness and saying, I'm asking you to get the help that you need and how can I help you do that because it's causing some destruction in our relationship and I'm asking you to do something different. It puts the ball in their court and it shows them the truth that they are contributing to the destructiveness in the relationship. But what I want to point out to you all is what I experienced in my own life was realizing that by me not addressing the resentment and anger in my heart, I was equally causing just as much destruction in my marriage by withholding my heart from my husband and not dealing with the resentment and feelings that I had by hiding that from him. It may be a quieter version of destruction than maybe a a spouse who's being very aggressive and irritable, but it is equally just as destructive. And so we have to own our part. So number three, 
there are some new and exciting things that are out there for how you as a couple can approach this new normal and build your relationship and make it stronger in your new normal. So one of the things that my husband and I have always talked about doing that we are trying to make time for now is doing yoga together. Yoga is a wonderful, they're fine, huge studies are coming out that are showing the effects of yoga with PTSD and combat stress, helping people relax, bring down anxiety, and learn how to take control of their body. So when somebody is struggling with PTSD or anxiety, they feel like their body is out of control. Whereas yoga teaches you to get your heartbeat and your breathing in in time, in rhythm together, and it gives you a sense of having control over your body by learning how to breathe the right way and move the right way getting control of your body and bringing it it to a relaxed state. And this can bring wonderful hope to um, anybody that's struggling with anxiety or with PTSD when they feel like their body is out of control. So I encourage a lot of couples to go on a date night together and go do yoga. Um, there's also some really great yoga classes out there that are called iRest, where it's a yoga class that helps teach someone, especially whoever has had a traumatic background, it teaches them how to relax their body so they can sleep better. So um, look for those out there. Go to a yoga class together. Acupuncture is another huge thing that a lot of our veterans are starting to try and seeing huge improvements from. Um, there's a, I'm not an expert in acupuncture. My husband has been through it and has said that it has just done wonders for releasing a lot of stress in his body, a lot of the emotions that can get stuck in your body, especially from traumatic experiences. And so I can't say enough about some of these alternative methods that are coming out. But don't forget to also go and get regular physicals go get your blood work done both of you you'd be surprised how much even just low cortisol can how it can affect your body and how it can affect your mood and your fatigue and your ability to handle stress so I know that doesn't necessarily sound like a couple's date going to get a physical together but it's a couple of things that you can do to kind of attack this new normal and um, adjust in a different way finally the last thing is a is a really big thing. I want to talk about boundaries because some of you might be in situations where your service member has come home and is really having some severe reactions to what they experienced in deployment. Um, obviously, if you're in a relationship where you don't feel safe emotionally or physically, then you definitely want to go get help and you definitely want to make sure that you and any children are in the house are in a safe place. So I definitely want to put that caveat out there. But if it's not necessarily to that level, it's still important for you to have healthy boundaries. And so if your spouse is refusing to get help and they are aggressive or when they are particularly struggling and they're saying very mean and hurtful things, I want to give you permission to in love and in kindness, but being firm, also speak the truth and set good boundaries with your spouse. It is the right thing for you to do to be able to say, it is not okay for you to speak to me the way that you're speaking to me right now. I want to be able to love you and support you, but I cannot love and support you when you're treating me this way. And then knowing that you have the right and the ability to walk away and leave the room and ask that person to calm down before you speak again. You're basically saying, I'm calling a timeout and I'm willing to call a time in once you calm down and we can 
can speak in a more productive way. A lot of us feel like setting boundaries in our marriages feels like it's a mean thing to do, especially if your service member is struggling with PTSD. And so what I want to say to you is that you cannot offer the support that they want you to offer them if they're screaming at you or if they're making you feel unsafe or if they're saying mean and hurtful things, that you can just as much support the strength of your marriage and the growth of your marriage by setting good boundaries and saying, I do want to support you, but I also have the right to take care of myself and how someone is speaking to me. I have the ability to leave the room if I feel like this is getting too aggressive and I I won't put myself in a situation to be aggressively attacked that way and that we can circle back around later and be more productive. So I want to make sure that I'm giving you the permission to do that if you need to and that that's kind of part of turning the light switch on. Right. So by pointing out the truth of what's going on in your marriage is saying because you're irritable, because you are angry at life or angry at God and because you are taking that out on me and the kids, the next time you do that, I can't support you and help you and and be around that if you're going to attack us. So when that happens, I'm letting you know that I'm going to take the kids and we're going to just go out to the store and give you opportunity to calm down, but that you have the ability to say, I don't have to be around being attacked and being treated that way. That's just turning on the lights. It's just pointing out what's already there and it's protecting you from being exposed from unhealthy reactions to what's going on inside of them. Here's the deal. Marriage is a beautiful thing. Marriage is never supposed to be perfect. It's never supposed to be easy. And if it was, we would we would be just as immature as we were when we first got married. We would never grow up and have um, a new, different kind of wonderful love. Iron sharpens iron, and marriage is a great opportunity for us to learn how to love each other better and learn what mature love really looks like. So in some ways, Embracing new difficulties in our relationships will bring about new, mature, wonderful love in our relationships and bring opportunities for even better ways to connect and better ways to be intimate. But that's part of embracing the fact that this new difficulty, this new normal has been brought into our life and we have to deal with it and process it ourselves and then figure out how do we move forward and make this a great part of our relationship and have hope in what it can bring to our relationship rather than being upset and angry about it. But you're right, that does take two people. And so you can't force your spouse to change, but you can influence them. You can breathe life into them. And sometimes that looks like telling the truth. I would like to feel connected with you again. I would like to see us push through this together instead of separately. I want to be that person in your life that helps you move forward instead of us staying stuck where we are. That's what marriage is supposed to look like. And that's the beauty of taking and adopting this difficulty and new normal in our relationships and attacking it together, taking back that lost territory that's been taken between us and saying we are going to work together, love each other through it and embrace that both of us are different, but that we can learn to love differently too. And we can have a wonderful different kind of marriage on this side of it. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for sharing it with your friends. I would love to hear some of your shout outs. If there's been a military spouse in your life that has helped you through difficult times, walked through sacred spaces with you, I would love for you to call in and for you to share that shout out and have it be part of this podcast. If your spouse or your service member 
has done an amazing job of supporting you through these new normals, these new changes in your life, call in and do a shout out. I'd love to include it on the podcast. I care about you guys so much, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to serve you. Until next time. Would you like to send in a shout out and have it included on the Life Giver podcast? Anyone, civilian or military, can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoreyWeathers.com or call in and leave a voicemail shout out to 706 706- Four three one seven two two two, and we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.